who unmasked Juventud Guerrero? It was Chris Jericho at Super Brawl 1998. And I remember, because I have that match, I have the whole pay-per-view on VHS at my mom's house in Columbus, Ohio. That was a shocking moment. And then Juventud took off his mask, and I said, that is a very pretty boy. I was like, this is a very effeminate, pretty-looking boy. People forget, because we had never, I had never seen a luchador be unmasked before, up until that point. But see, the first week, he was unmasked before um, Rey Mysterio was? Yeah, he was a mass way before Ray. Mm-hmm. They it, and the thing about it is when they took it. Oh, I remember being because you don't know, and the mask looks so crazy. You think, oh my goodness, this might be the hunchback of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and da, da, da. and then he takes off the mask, and I'm like, bro, he could he could have been in Menudo. Like this boy <laughs> is beautiful. <laughs> gentlemen we welcome you once again to give me the book your favorite weekly wrestling podcast my name is mike alloy and i am the el guapo of professional wrestling commentary and stand-up comedy satoyo thank you guys once again for listening thank you all for joining us we do appreciate it uh let's get right to it satoyo uh the big thing that has happened right you know i would say maybe 24 hours or so before we recorded was uh, the re- the release of one Bray Wyatt from the WWE. Um, I think one of the more shocking releases, even as they're becoming more of the norm, uh, you know, in the past year. Uh, certainly, again, one of, I would say, you know, if not the franchise guy, maybe, you know, kind of like a level below it, the guy who has been world champion several times, the guy who has headline pay-per-views, and uh, in general, and I think, you know, um, well, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm not going to talk about him. I think I'll, I'll leave it for you. But, uh, Certainly a big deal in the in the name in the in the world of wrestling and it has dominated the conversation. Um, what uh, what what do you think? What uh, why, why do you think it happened and uh, how do you feel about it? The release of Wyndham Rotunda, aka Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, is very very interesting to me. I think it further shows the continued devaluation of uh, the professional wrestler in the minds of the WWE front office. We've known this for well over a decade now to this point. They've said this publicly. They want WWE to be the marquee. They don't really like the idea of marquee superstars. Why? Because marquee superstars have bargaining power, can leave, have the ability to impact them negatively, as we have seen in generations past, Hulk Hogan being the most notorious name of this, who gave them a real headache when he left, not immediately, He went to WCW and WCW lost money because he was not a draw by that point. He had to turn heel in order to do that Um, and had WCW, uh, you know, knew what they were doing. They could still be around to this day, but they wanted to get away from that. They've made that very, very clear for the past 10 years. You can see it in a lot of their booking practices. Um, you, You know, you generally have one guy, but they've been in a really amazing era where they could have had a lot of bona fide. Uh, transcendent superstars 
And after The Rock and Cena, they're kind of like Cena almost happened by an accident. His longevity was the most um, uh, that kind of got him over the hump more than anything else. But uh, they've kind of really shied away from that. And it's reflected in their ratings. It's reflected in a lot of things. But they continue to make money hand over fist. So in their minds, it's working. I know that Nick Khan has come in. And as it relates to uh, the budget with the wrestlers, they are obsessed with staying out of the red, which is something that Vince didn't really care about in years past because he could always, you know, you know, rob peter to pay paul and the finances and strike up a new deal and the tv contracts would do what they do and the saudi blood money would do what it does to sort of to, to cushion think, all of that if you don't uh, mind me to me kind of into it i do mm-hmm. think that that's one of the reasons why we see in this cuts. i do think yes. in the past there was a uh, an expectation a justified expectation that the tv yes. deals might keep going up up and up and yes. i do think now wwe looking at the shrinking ratings and just you know the the fact that tv doesn't have as much power overall so the pie got smaller Yes. And uh, their own property now is worthless. It's wor- so I yeah. think, you know, when their TV deal is, is dried up, the, that money is not going to keep rising. No, and that contract is going to be shrinking. And yet, being a public company, as you know, there's always a room to, or uh, pressure to grow and expectations of growth, or at the very least, as you mentioned, staying out of the red. Yes. So I, I do think in preparation for, you know, so they don't cut half the roster, uh, you know, 2022 or 2023, I forget when, when it goes out, they're doing it now. They're now yeah. putting out their books, yeah. you know, to kind of get themselves to set the company up for a smaller TV deal. Yes, um, and, it, and it's also, I mean, let's not be mistaken. WWE Network is on Peacock. Peacock is owned by NBC. So they have contingency plans in place should anything happen. I don't think Vince can really conceptualize anyone but him running the company. Um, and he's made that very, very clear. Uh, I think he'd rather sell to NBC before he put anyone else in charge. So you have that element to it. Uh, you also have the element to it that, you know, uh, Bray hadn't been on TV, hadn't really been used. Bray has been very uh miffed rightfully so with a lot of the booking decisions about his character for years it is reported that him and vince mcmahon are very hot and cold with one another uh from bray wyatt's perspective i can totally see why uh i if i was in his position i'd be very hot and cold with uh with uh vince mcmahon as well and i want to bring up a quote that the undertaker brought up this was before his release and this was the undertaker making a statement that is a true statement uh, that people may disagree with, but he was right. Uh, and I think it's very, very important. It's very telling uh, to see how people view things. The Undertaker would go on to say about The Fiend, this is in 2020, uh, the end of 2020. He says, I hope he stays really invested in it and says no when he has to say no and do what's right for that character because it's really the strongest character WWE has right now. Now, when the fiend and he was right for that time period, the fiend was definitely the most. This this does this is not to say that I cared for the matches or anything like that, but he was the strongest character that they had. Um, uh, and uh, they found a way to ruin it again. Uh, it was, it was beautifully distasteful. Uh, I think this past WrestleMania kind of put the nail in the coffin about that because I couldn't even the way in which they did that. I was just like, dude, after Goldberg and now this, I just don't even I don't even see a way for me to care or be invested in this thing. Uh, I do hope that this release was more mutual. I actually hope that Wyndham asked for it, quite frankly. He's had to, you know, Brody passing really devastated him. He had to get his mind right. And honestly, um, for some people, that place is not conducive to mental health. 
And it's understandable why when you hear the reports about the work environment there. So I think it's a huge blow because Wyndham Rotunda comes from a wrestling dynasty. You know, uh, he he is a Wyndham. He is a Rotunda. You know, uh, I think Mike Rotunda is his father. Barry Wyndham, one of the better big men that's ever wrestled ever uh, is, is, his, is his uncle. So he's named after both of them. He's a tremendous wrestling mind. Uh, he has great, great concepts and great ideas. And the fact that this company was able to, over time, help foster that creativity while stifling it is shocking. Um, they screwed the bag on the dude about five times. So um, hopefully Wyndham can be healthy more than anything else mentally. And when he chooses to come back in whatever incarnation, if he chooses to, he'll be wildly successful and uh, and WWE can choke on it. And I think that's what makes it so weird, right? Because he, you always assumed, right? He was always a WWE guy, you know, kind of started out there and developed there. We've seen him, you know, his first iteration was Husky Harris in the Nexus days. So he was there for a very long time and, you know, developed all these characters. You always had an assumption that he was going to stick around and even, you know, not only just with the character, he was going to, you know, be able to reinvent himself uh, on top of being a Vince guy, but also... Um, you always assume he would work as an agent or something like that, being that second generation WWE guy, being the, you know, one of the clearly one of the sharpest minds that they trust enough to keep getting TV time. You know, I know you said that Vince was hard on call with him, but they definitely believed in that care in all his characters, right? At least they well, built them up to get to a certain point. Um, so again, so you always assume that this guy would, would have job security even like after he's done wrestling. Um, so it's very weird to see him being released. And I think it shows, you know, the the lack of I, I think at this age now, this is letting people actually say something in their ear and he listens to them, not creatively, unfortunately, uh, business-wise. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, you know, regardless of what the business justification are, are, you cannot deny that this makes the company worse, worse off. You know, Bray, again, even if he was never on TV, just having that voice in the back, similar, similar with Daniel Bryan, what we said, mm -hmm. having that leadership guy in the locker room who will advocate for good ideas um, and trying something original um, and working with the new guys. Um, that's always something good to have in the back. And now they won't have it. Yeah. And in the touch on the two points that you brought up there, I mean, yeah, they trusted the character, but they also did enough to not really pull the trigger on the character when the time was most right. Let's not be mistaken. They had to have that Firefly Funhouse match with Cena at WrestleMania to make up for the fact that Bray should have won at WrestleMania. I mean, like when he fought Cena the first time and then they and again, no one cares about backlash. No one cares about the following. No one cares. So the fact that Cena did it, I remember that match and just the collective air going out of the room because it's like we don't we don't this is not the way to go and then they wound up doing that time and time again then he becomes the fiend then he becomes this interesting character world beater cannot be stopped does all this stuff to then lose to goldberg because they thought that was the move and then and and they wound up screwing their own bag because of course pandemic roman says i ain't doing it then it's to Braun. And then it's like, nah, you could have just had it on the fiend. <laughs> you could have just had you. it on Absolutely. the fiend. Yeah. You, and, you and, and it seemed like a bigger deal. Yeah. Why not Braun, start the start the Braun uh fiend story at WrestleMania? Maybe then yeah. more people would care. Yeah. Um and, 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 think, and then to go to go to your point about you know, Daniel these these great minds and these great minds of leadership, and they you know, and let you know, let's not be mistaken, they were bummed they couldn't re-sign Brian. But it speaks to the work environment that is created. Uh, the bureaucracy, you know, all of that stuff. After a while, 
Now, it's totally fine, well and good when they're the only show in town. But after a while, it's like, man, I've kind of done everything here. I do not want to. I want to enjoy this again. Let's see what else is out there. They couldn't keep Brian and best believe they tried to give him all the money to do it. But he's like, I already got that. I'm not happy here. I'm not getting what I, I have. I'm having too many conversations with that CM Punk said an old man who's out of touch. And after a while, it gets hard to like it gets it gets hard to kill it every time and say, I know this way. And the old guy's oh, I can't do it. And then then yeah. what's the OK? Well, then I need to go somewhere else. It is again. Uh, I do think it's, it's 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 good to kind of remember his run with WWE as well. I was uh, personally like a huge fan of uh, the theme character, even though never quite figure out how to present him uh, live. It never translated. He didn't have. Too many obviously memorable matches as the theme. But he didn't need to. He didn't need to. Didn't the, need Undertaker, to the, Undertaker, thought... the Undertaker didn't have memorable matches for the first six years of his run because that wasn't the purpose of the character, you That's know, right. uh, until it needed to be. No, I agree with you. Um, they should have just kept those matches shorter. There was no yep. need to drag him. There was no need to do the red lights. But you could have done, you know, Undertaker top match in five, six minutes and kind of, you know, kept it clean and keep him looking dominant. Um, yep. Irrespective, I mean, I think his promos are not that Firefly Funhouse. I mean, I know it's divisive, and if it's not for you, it's not for you. I loved it. Uh, his pretty much entire run-up, I would say, from uh, April when he debuted. I believe he, the Firefly Funhouse debuted right at the night after WrestleMania, um, all the way uh, through the Hell in a Cell match. That kind of really the first time that character tanked, um, and which was, yeah, just, you know, well, one of the, the worst the matches. Character, the character the didn't tank. Seth Rollins tanked the oh, presentation. It, it, messed, it messed up everybody. I, I'll say everybody. this. I'll yeah, say this. I remember telling you. I remember telling you. And this was after I told you he was dead in the water after Braun. I told you Seth was dead in the water. I said, it's over. He's finished. He has to turn heel. And then that match was booked so stupidly. And again, it was booked again. The only person now, did it take some steam off of The Fiend? Sure. But the match was so bad. The match was so terrible. It was so stupid. It was so moronic. I was like, do you see now they have to turn Seth heel because they've just created a clusterfuck in the ring. The Hell in a Cell match, which was already in a state of decline, is worthless. <laughs> like I was like, it's actually to me, it did ne it's never recovered. The match itself is done. You can you can have a DQ <laughs> hell in a cell match. You can do a no contest in a hell in a cell match. Uh, and they managed to after after and keep in mind, people have done so much great work for the fiend. He came back and just killed Finn. You know, we didn't see Finn for a while. Finn had to go back to NXT, like, back to NXT. Re yeah, rehabilitate yeah. for like two years, like all this stuff just to do that, just to do that shit. It is hilarious. It is beautifully distasteful in the concept. And then you finally give him the strap over in with the with the with the blood money show. You do that thing. And then all that, all and then you and then you and then you you make him lose it at the blood money show after after he fights a man who almost breaks his neck in the ring. Because now keep this in mind, we will get rid of we will get rid of we will get we will get hold on, hold on. So he it was like it was like the Fiend's MSG show. That was like yes. his Madison Square Garden. Yes. <laughs> when you go, yeah, he wins the championships and he loses championships at Saudi Arabia. You will get rid of Bray Wyatt and you'll keep Bill Goldberg. Oh, you love this. And you know Goldberg is more expensive. So it does kind of show how uh, creatively bankrupt this company is. CM Punk was right. <laughs> like, I hate to, he was right. He said, Vince will continue to make money despite himself until he won't. The pie is shrinking. You know what I'm saying? The pot and they understand this. I, I, I believe that when they started the network, that was their first plan to really be very insular if need be, um, because 
he could not for the life of himself get out of the way to improve a product. He couldn't do it. His ego will not wouldn't wouldn't let it happen. And then what he saw is we can't consistently stay over this many people. We have fluctuations in our network every single year because you're not giving people the thing that they want most. Now you're not even able to bring in the casual fan because the casual fan, they'll like some of it. And they'll be like, oh, this is dumb. But since they're casual, they can turn it off. It's the diehards that stick around and stay. And that pool is shrunk. Millions of them have disappeared, in fact. So you see all these things and then you're like, you get rid of Bray Wyatt. You keep a guy who can give you next to nothing, who you pay millions of dollars to. You keep a Bill Goldberg. Oh, God, I love it. These boomers, man. These boomers. Ah, they know best. They know. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think um, do you think AEW or somebody else will surpass WWE as a wrestling company, though? No, I don't. I don't think anyone should really try to as a wrestling company. To surpa- what does surpassing mean? They're a publicly traded entertainment company. I mean, they, net worth or, or just viewership. I think you can do it in viewership. Um, I think AEW, of course, has the best shot to do it right now. But that's like still years down the line. If it's to happen at all, like that would still be like a five to ten year endeavor. To well, be honest, if, if, if the reason for the shrink- shrinking pie is the the creative, and mm-hmm. uh, assuming most people seem to believe AW is creative, is better than WWE's, wouldn't you expect then AW to catch up and take over? Um, yes, but it's about it's about. But it's, again, AEW is in a different position. While they are going to have established stars, AEW to this point has done a pretty good job of building up their own stars, and that's a process. So we know that Darby Allen is money. You know, we know that Hangman Adam Page is money. Uh, we have some of those things fleshed out, but we also know that they want Jungle Boy to be a thing. And I believe they should. He's wildly over. You know, they have Ricky Starks who they need to cultivate and develop. So you have guys that you need to cultivate. And that's why the Young Bucks are still tag champs. You know, they kind of the face of the organization. So you need to keep you need to build those people up. And that takes time. Now, of course, getting in a Daniel Bryan will give them a much needed shot in the arm. Sure. But we're also talking about a wrestling company in WWE that has de-incentivized a lot of the wrestling business in the United States for better or worse, because they were not interested in having marquee stars. They were concerned with WWE is coming to your town. That's what sells. They weren't saying it's Steve Austin versus the rock tonight at Madison square that we gotten away from that. It became WWE live or now WWE super show in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like that's it. That's the best, the marquee. So they've done enough to de-incentivize a lot of a, a lot of the 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 goodwill that audience members could have of being like that's the top that's the guy I'm gonna tune in for that they've de-incentivized that so as a result these things take a little bit longer especially when you're dealing with the wrestling company that yeah you're gonna sign Daniel Bryan you're signing a 40 year old Daniel Bryan a 41 year old Daniel Bryan you still have to get your guys over you still have to create a thing that can last the next 10 years you don't want to do what WCW did. And then bring in Hulk Hogan, Kevin Ash, Scott Hall to the detriment of everyone else. And then you build no one else up. And then the guys who get over get over in spite of the in spite of uh, your your company's practices. Booker T being a prime example. Uh, Goldberg was pushed to the moon from the outset. So that that was one of the clear signs of a plan they already had. Sting was already incredibly over. But Booker T is like kind of like a shining example. Like, but even then, they had de-incentivized so much of their product to the detriment of everyone else around them that Booker T just what happened to be a guy that was still there who we trusted, who we believed in, and who was putting out amazing matches, had been putting out amazing matches, amazing matches as a single star since like 97. And then they were, well, we got to do something. Now we find ourselves in that position 
uh, here yet again and building up new stars that you want to that you need to view is going to take some time especially if you want them to have crossover appeal so can you do it sure i mean they could they're doing numbers now that are comparable to raw is that sustainable all the time i'm not sure um but that's why i still say it's a five to ten year process yeah we'll, we'll see it again and it'd be interesting to watch uh let's go get into this week's action i don't really have much to add i think to the discussion um i think um Raw was raw. Uh, wasn't was particularly enjoyable. I do think we had a great episode of NXT and a great episode of Dynamite and a great episode of SmackDown to follow. Um, again, I'll I'll start us off with the NXT discussion. I just thought that um, again, it, this month of, of NXT shows has been pretty on par with uh, their best treasures back and you know when Sami Zayn was there when the uh, DIY uh, feud was happening. Um, I think Samoa Joe coming back and having a Karrion Cross feud, you know, regardless of what happens to Karrion uh, Cross on Raw, I think the SmackDown build, and especially just like the example of having Samoa Joe back in the ring for the first time in uh, almost two years, it seemed, I believe, um, that's like a good enough on itself to kind of carry the feud. And again, Samoa Joe is not only, I'm not excited to see him in the ring, he is still one of the best promos in the world, period. So mm-hmm. he can, him build up and again, and giving, I would say Karrion Cross is like first really good rival uh, since he got to NXT. Um, is very impressive. Um, on top of it, again, everything that Cameron Grimes and LA Knight are doing has been great. Uh, constantly keep getting, getting good matches. The hit, the rise of the hit row has been very impressive. Um, the, the Santos Escobar and uh, Legado de Fantasma are still on my TV, still being relevant, still putting on good matches. The Breakthrough Tournament has a lot of interesting characters as well. Um, Odyssey Jones could be kind of a next uh, Mark Henry. Who's already like ready to go on day one? Doesn't need you know kind of five to ten years to figure it out. Um, I, I'm a really big fan of everything NXT is going for stuff. I know for you it's like uh, maybe like an acquired taste, but what would you think of this episode? Did you enjoy? No, it I, I think NXT. My thing with NXT is going to remain pretty consistent. I ju- it just doesn't translate well to my eyes. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that it's a pro wrestling show. So I thought they had a very good show. Uh, I don't. There's a disconnect with the crowd and with the thing, but also COVID. They wear this. They're taking the proper precautions. There's just a bit of disconnect in terms of what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. Uh, but that's a me thing, and I understand that. Uh, having said that, they're a pro wrestling program, so I, I appreciate them greatly. Um, I do believe that WWE across the board is or overly choreographed. Um, I think every single move is and it, it shows in weird ways. So I don't think that translates too particularly well to my eye. This does not mean they do not have amazing wrestlers. They most certainly do. Uh, and I thought they had a very, very, you know, uh, good week of television. I just want to know who some of the people like hit row. Um, you know, I need to know if they're baby face or heel. Like these are things I just, I just want to know going forward. I think they're good. Cool heels who will eventually turn baby. Right. Okay. So yeah, especially given that who they're feuding with now. So these are just things that I need to know. I don't like being in the places like of, of, uh, I don't like the, the, the lack of clarity because you're, because I I don't know how to feel about the opponent. It's the, the issue they have with Britt Baker currently, like, you know, I don't know what she is. Uh, I know she can cut a promo, but I just don't know what she is. And then when you put Nyla Rose in front of her, then I don't know what Nyla Rose is. Historically, I knew. Now I just don't know. Is she babyface? She a heel? I don't. I don't know. So, um, but yes, I do like the things that they are doing. Uh, I could do with less Adam Cole on my TV, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, that's more unfair. Um, and then I thought Dynamite was really fun again. Uh, yes. I, you know, I did not enjoy last week. I thought this was fun. Um, 
if you if you hated the the choreography on NXT, I'm sure you hated the choreography on uh, the final hey man tag match. match. Yeah, didn't uh, like it. Didn't it like fun. it. It was fun. It was very fun, and it, it didn't go long. To to mm-hmm. their credit, uh, didn't agree with the ending, but it, it but. This is going to be one of those things like, are you just waiting for Hangman down the line? If you do, that's smart. If not, then that's a bad main event decision you made because he's over like Rover. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, I'm very consistent in this way. Uh, that was a lot for me. <laughs> that, that was just that was a lot. And I was like, all right, I see it. That's fine. We can get through it. But it was fun. And uh, didn't go. Match, too you kind of have to turn off that part of your brain for just yes, you do. Yeah, everything's yeah. happening a million miles an hour and just yeah. like. You just enjoy the moves and all the yeah. all the choreography, but don't. I don't was I, I was I was happy okay. it was I was happy it was first, uh, mm-hmm. but then we got to talk about the real issue, the real thing, the Ricky Starks FTW Championship celebration. Now, when I tell mm-hmm. you people, when you look, listen to the sound of my voice, I talk to you now. Ricky Starks is money. You understand me? Ricky Starks is money. I'm so happy he's FTW World Champion because again, we get to now really do more established stuff with the FTW World Title and what that comes to mean going forward. Brian Cage was FTW World Champion, but it was kind of an afterthought. He very much treated it like an afterthought. Ricky Starks understands the importance of it, and he just cut such a fun promo, especially when the audience like, we can't hear you, we can't. He's like, you're inbred. That's why you can't hear me. Okay, the hearing's done. (laughs) Like, like I loved. All of that. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. My main thing, especially like especially uh, given Ricky was on the sideline, the reason that he was was very, very clear. I just want to I'm so I just want his neck to be OK. You know, like that's my main thing. Came back really, really soon. And again, like as a Friday thing was broken. So, uh, you know, he's a young man, too. So, you know, they just got to be careful and and uh, and mind his health. Uh, in that regard. And then what do you have? We had the uh, the trios match, which I thought was a, a fun, quick bit of business. Um, it helped advance the story. On the Ricky Starks, while, while you go to the show, um, uh, the, I, I, I enjoyed the, the celebration as well. Uh, the, the Ricky Starks. I do, I do think it's actually weird. It's a little bizarre how kind of, you know, growing up has uh, changed this and just like the overalls, I guess, because attacking the band, the music band is something like baby face don't call Steve Austin would do as the crowd cheered. And I'm not yeah. going to lie, man. I was like, why, why are you, the, the yeah, musicians you, had nothing to do with it. They had nothing to do with <laughs> this. What are you doing here? I was, yeah, because um, you're grown. I'm just necessary. like, yeah, yeah, they was, they were paid to do a job. What they got to do yeah, with that? Just a gig. Yeah. <laughs> so. But then, but he had to beat up someone because uh, and, and the crowd there. Yeah, yeah, the crowd loved it, you know. Um, and again, you, you put somebody's head. Maybe they knew. They knew they were probably not a band or the yeah. like the local local talent who plays the music. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know you put some you put a, like a, a a drum through somebody's head. I'm always I will always pop for that spot. Um, yes. You know, I think uh, I think the Brian Cage is a good safe worker one. I think Ricky Starks being able to cut a promo uh, will be help him help hold the title while you know not being overly active as his neck you know continues to recover and get stronger. Uh, at least hopefully. Um, Oh, uh, so, I mean, sorry, uh, Miro cut another incredible promo. Speaking of, speaking of a God's champion, title. yeah, I, God's champion, the only, redeemer himself, only redeemer. motivated by two things, yep. uh, a, a, <laughs> a vengeful God, a vengeful God. <laughs> yes. And again, I think, and here's the thing, whereas one, I've TNT titles, my favorite title right now in all of wrestling. Um, outside of the initial incarnation of the belt, which happened during pandemic, so they didn't have time to get it done. I've loved every iteration of the title. The white title is no exception. I just love the TNT title. Uh, I like how it looks. Is it um, a TBS title now, or is it still a TNT? No, it's still it's going to stay TNT title. Okay. Because TNT, it's interesting. TNT is the flagship 
uh, uh, station, but Turner, TBS is yeah, but TBS is in more homes. It's actually more accessible. But TNT, you know, that's where the the playoffs happen and all that other stuff. So, uh, but no, it's going to stay the TNT title uh, from the reports that I've heard thus far. But love the title, and again, you know, character development. I mean, Mir- who remembers Rusev? Is is Miro? You know, and, and it's it's Miro being able to be himself, and again the 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 build of his character into God's champion, into the Redeemer, from the best man. You know what I'm saying? Like this was a, and they did it in a very very to me. People may disagree in a very smooth, seamless way. You know what I'm saying? Like in a way that got him over, got him over in such a way as a killer. Then the person that he helped elevate, they broke off from one another. You know what I'm saying? And they went and, you know, so that he could do his own thing. I think they really did. And oftentimes I think within pro wrestling, historically, what we've seen is not just be, be, bring in that established guy and we all know who they are and then we'll let them be who they're and then they're just going to do that again. For some people, it makes sense. Christian Cage can't be anyone but Christian Cage. Like we understand this. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. Like that's just the thing. Rusev wasn't there, you know, and that's now no fault of his. But now he gets to be himself. He gets to really tap into that, like you talk, because he's he is he's like a Russian oligarch. It's like a, it's amazing, and um, the work that he's been able to do and the way they've been able to build him is is amazing. He's my TNT champion. Whoever whoever is the champ generally is my favorite champion, so he's my favorite champion currently. No, absolutely. I don't consider I don't consider the never open weight title a real title of note. So you know, isn't really I I I, well, I don't know what you would be for never weight title. I I, I it's ugly. It. It's an ugly title. And the name oh. makes no sense. I'm not. See, I'm not that much of a, an aesthetic man. I'm more. Of a, I'm more. I'm more substance over style, I suppose. Okay. Um, but uh, I again, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Again, I think uh, Miro has been just doing just incredible work as 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 the neverweight champion Jay White. Um, and yeah, I think in general you're right. I think you know, considering I think Darby Allen had it before, and then Cody was being the first champion, and of course, um, the late Brody Lee having the title. It's, it does have a very good history. Ah, uh, so I don't. Uh, again, as far as like launching new titles, uh, especially on that show, uh, I think this was by far the best launch, which is not to say they butchered the other two. They just done, you know, kind of went four for four on this one. Right. Um, right. Speaking of Cody, um, I, I love the segment and then the build to him versus Malachi Black, which is happening next week. And shout out to AW for always having the hook, man. There's always yep. a because because they treat their dynamite almost like a mini pay-per-view. You know, some yep. of them have their own names and like uh, special names. Um it always there's at least always one or two matches that have you hooked for the next uh, next dynamite, which mm-hmm. again in this course Malachi Black versus Cody Rhodes. Obviously, it's um, not his debut debut of a character. I do hate. What should we just call him Malachi? I guess. How do you call him? I would short? just call him. I would actually call him Malachi Black. I would just okay. stick with that because so I, because I've never because he's the first white Malachi I've ever met in my entire. Life. <laughs> um, so the, the the Malachi Black, you know, having him debut and having him being one of the best wrestlers in the world, that's exciting. Um, and then Cody kind of routinely does good work. I was a bigger fan of uh, Cody versus QT Marshall program than most. Um, it, so was actually that, very, but, it was actually pretty good. It was a pretty yeah. good program. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the internet hated it, but I, I also enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but some, the, the, internet, the internet also bullies black women when their husbands get DUIs. So what do they know? Um, you need to leave Naomi alone. You people are being trash. And but, then leave uh, Alexa alone also. Yeah, way. leave Alexa alone as well. Um, so, but I think the thing that's interesting, Cody historically does very good work because Cody's very protective. Cody respects pro wrestling. Um, and and we're better off for it, quite frankly, especially 
you know, when you have to watch the Young Bucks wrestle. Um, talented as they are, they're heat magnets, not taking that away from them. <clears throat> Logic gets bent when you have to watch them. That is fine. That is the nature of all things. Cody operates more within parameters that are understandable and realistic, but he's still against this, this Malachi Black character. The thing I find that, and here's what I've been waiting for, because people forget, people like to sleep on Cody when they got to remember when he broke off from WWE, he was, it was like him and Drew Galloway, McIntyre, like, but he was the most compelling character everywhere that he went. You know, when he was in ROH, when he was in New Japan, when he was doing it, he was, when he was in the NWA, he was the most compelling character, especially as the heel. And it's important to note that he was getting booed when he got offense against Malachi Black because the people are going to demand something from him. And as they continue to boo, which I think they might, he might have to make a decision. He might have to go back to being that old guy. He might have to go back to being the old Cody because I'm telling you, ROH, New Japan Cody, the Indies Cody, Impact Cody, y'all not ready for that, man. Y'all, y'all been, and again, it's about whether or not he wants to bring the devil back out in him again. Uh, but I think this is great. Also, shout out to uh, what's his name, Fuego del Sol, for mm-hmm. just getting hit with blood. That he's dead. You need to actually go on the internet and say, All right, yeah. to him, he's dead. What do you mean, Sal? That we saw him murder. <laughs> Malachi Black is a vicious, uncaring psychopath, uh, who engages in the dark arts and kills. Uh, luchadors from the south. This is a very dangerous man. So yeah, yeah. That was uh, again. The, the program has been absolute money, and um, and that's what happens when you pair Cody with like another superstar, right? I yes. think at this point it was kind of you know a uh, passion project, so to speak, and kind of helping bringing either you know guys you never heard of before, kind of giving them the rob, etc. But you pour him, you put him against with another, you know, um, another somebody else with a star power, and it's just uh, you know it's money. Um, just again, just. You know, remarkable because I think Cody and Bray, as far as like minds, great minds in wrestling and, mm-hmm. and great character developments, are very similar. So, just kind of you know, I think the point that you made about hey, look at what Cody has done, right? Like, Cody doesn't get released, AW is not formed, yeah, it's not, yeah, they're so, not so, so, so they're it, not it will there. be interesting to see what you know, and, and not to put you know, uh, unfair expectations on the man, but like, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what Bray Wyatt can do, you know, out there kind of on his own. Um, the last thing I will say this, and I I will hold my opinion on the segment. What did you think of Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho? Uh, it was it I it, it was a car wreck that I expected it to be. Uh, they let Nick Gage be Nick Gage. It was over huge with the audience. I never need to see it again. Uh, it was incredibly effective. I do think that the decision was smart. Here's why. Because I think that in the buildup to the, the five labors and everything like this, with the twists and the turns, this is a story that has been told before, will get told again. It'll get told again because the, this because it's happening right now. There'll be another angle like this down the line in some promotion somewhere. It's because it's good. It is good and solid on its own. Yes, it's all to fight MJF. It's like, yeah, it's all to fight me, but I beat you. I don't have to fight you. I don't have to do anything to you. And again, it gives MJF more seasoning. It gives him, you know, he's eventually going to be world champion, but he doesn't need to be it now. He's, he's too, he's too young. Realistically, you have other guys to put there, but I do like the fact that what they're doing here now, because don't beat one of your own guys who you plan on using every week. Just don't do it. So unless his name is Sean Spears. So no, incorrect. You're being <laughs> once again, 
again, disrespectful to the chairman of AEW. Need the, to... this, this is Tony Khan making so, a decision so, that Charles Pierce can either loss. So now <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll bring it for outside. So now that we've get that's fair, but but he also gets a match with Jericho. That's fair, and he also knows like he's going to make Jericho look better than he probably is physically at this point. Um, but it so again, it's like okay, yeah, Nick Gage. We won't use this guy all the time. Like you don't want. You don't want Jericho beating every member of the pinnacle, just Sean Spears. <laughs> so you don't want him beating every member of the pinnacle. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But what you do is you bring in Nick Gage. What you do is you bring in Juventud Guerrero. You know what I'm saying? Like you bring in that element. Um, so, yeah, the match was definitely special. It was definitely deathmatch stuff. I won't bash Nick is Gage. Is deathmatch that. still special? Well, you know, to be seen to be seen on national television, yeah. Um I won't because think about that. You ain't really. I mean, that's. I mean, of, last week we saw John Moxley go through a table and barbed wire. Yeah, but that, but bro, we pizza cutters, bro. <laughs> like you say. So and here's and here's what I'm saying. Um, it is so it is special in that way. I'm not gonna bash Nick Gage for that because that would mean then I'd have to bash John Moxley, Lance Archer, Terry Funk, Mick Foley. I'm just not gonna do that. Uh, or, 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 you know, or even uh, uh, Mr. Ganosaki over in FMW. Like, I'm not going to do that. The death match is an established. Oh, Nita, I'm not going to do that. The death match is an established thing. It's a real thing. So I'm not but bashing. all those Nick guys Gage. move a lot better than Nick Gage does. Not now. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but, yeah. But, Nick, yeah, Nick Gage is on his way to not being able to move at all. But, yeah, I'm not going to act like the match was, wasn't special. Wasn't my cup of tea. Anytime they got the, the flat, the bulbs out and they start, I had to look away. That's not my stuff. Um, but now it's like Jericho can say, I've done the death match. You can't say I haven't done it. You can't say I haven't put it. You can't say it wasn't over. You can't say I didn't get a good pop. You can't say for the purposes of what a death match is, you can't say I was bad in it because I wasn't. <laughs> like, you just you can't. So, you know. I guess, yeah, it's another thing to add on, on his, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a bucket list, you know, on, as his way yeah. out, kind of checks all the boxes, then, which is more than fair. Um, you know how I feel. This is the one feud, the one storyline in AW. Absolutely, just I genuinely do not care for. Um, and I feel like almost, I almost feel like everybody's just pretending this is good. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, it just, I no, I believe they, they. I'm sure in their hearts of hearts they like it. I just don't understand why. Um, I don't understand why do I have to care about you and Tooth Guerrero now? Um, you don't. You don't. You in, don't. In the year it's, of all it's, or it's, 2021. Well, he's well, a solid wrestler. Solid wrestler. He's but he's been wrestling. Like nobody cared about him until the, his name was mentioned, you know. But but guess uh, what? But guess what? You'd want to see him. So it's like I want to see, especially with Big Hoovy, Hoovy big now. So he's a. I want to see. I I am interested to see how he moves. Uh, and again, he is a legend. Uh, so I'm not going to be mad about them paying homage to one of the greatest luchadors that ever graced American soil. So it's just like I'm just not going to do that. And also historically, him and Jericho have an amazing history. Who unmasked Juventud Guerrero? It was Chris Jericho at Super Brawl 1998. And I remember, because I have that match, I have the whole pay-per-view on VHS at my mom's house in Columbus, Ohio. That was a shocking moment. And then Juventud took off his mask, and I said, that is a very pretty boy. I was like, this is a very effeminate, pretty-looking boy. People forget, because we had never, I had never seen a luchador be unmasked before. Up until that point, but he was first week here. He was a mass before um, Ray Mysterio was. Yeah, he was a mass way before Ray. Mm-hmm. They it, and the thing about it is when they took it. Oh, I remember being because you don't know, and the mask looks so crazy. You think, oh my goodness, this might be the hunchback of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and da, da, da. and then he takes off the mask, and I'm like, 
bro, he could he could have been in Menudo. Like this boy is beautiful. <laughs> like this boy is gorgeous, you know? So yeah, man. I mean, again, I under to me, I'm looking more forward to the payoff of the match because if he can get through these guys, the first time I saw uh, uh, MJF and Jericho fight, remember they were both heels. So I didn't really care about it. It didn't really work for me, but this is the long story that they're telling about their arc. So I would be more interested to see them fight uh, with MJF as the established heel and Chris Jericho in the year of our Lord, 2021, after everything that's happened the past year <laughs> being the baby face. So, uh, you know what? It's funny. You know what? I, you know, I got to figure it out. I think actually the fourth labor of love or the fourth labor of Jericho, he should have to take the vaccine publicly on TV <laughs> and the fifth and the fifth labor of Jericho. He must admit that the 2020 election wasn't rigged. That's how you really, if you want to make heat, if you want the money, baby, you make him do, you make him betray his morals to then get to MJF. God damn it. Hey, that's hilarious. I, I do. I am excited. See, I, I do think the fifth labor of Jericho is going to be a Lance Storm, which yeah. I think would be a good get. Because Lance can good. Lance Glass is one of the most. Go? Lance and he's amazing. like, and he's like the most over he's ever been too. Yeah, with the, with the podcast and his Twitter personality. So yeah, Bro. let's go. Yeah, Lance, that dude has never taken a drink drink ever in his life. He's been working out consistently since he was 16 years old. Let me tell you people something about Lance Storm. If it is Lance Storm, this guy is, you know, if he had a personality, he'd be he'd still be on top to this day, probably. But he's just one of the more technically gifted wrestlers I've ever seen. One of the best wrestlers ever been produced. One of the best wrestlers that Canada's ever produced. His ECW run, his WCW run was amazing stuff. If you ever get the chance, go onto the network right now. Watch Guilty as Charged 1999. Him and Jerry Lynn put on an absolute clinic of a match, and the ending is utterly fantastic. And no, that is not my match of the week. Don't hold me to that. I, ain't that, 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 I hope that's not the match. Sorry, because my, my memory of Lance Storm is he blown. I think it was against Rob Van Dam. They had an amazing match, but then the ending called for Lance to hit uh, RVD with a chair, give him a chair shot, mm-hmm. and my man just was not would not do it. He tried yeah. to give him because at the time, of course, they were taking chair shots on the head, and Lance was just like, I'm not doing it. And yeah, yeah got booed by a brew of Philly crowd, but at least, you know, a man didn't catch, didn't catch concussion that day. But so. guess what? Lance was ahead of his time, and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm a man of principle and morals. Boo me. But guess what? That's one less concussion RVD, your beloved RVD has to have. Thank God. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, Lance Strom and, uh, and Chris Jericho, I think they were each other's first match. The ever, Thrill so, Seekers. They were each other's first, and then they became tag team partners, the Thrill Seekers in Canada, and they were actually in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And uh, uh, Cornette wanted to put the title on him, and then uh, and then Chris broke his whole his whole arm doing a shooting star press, which he had no business doing, even back as a twenty. They were supposed to be the new rockers. This is sorry, we're we're all off all over the day. That's fine. We'll trust on the new. uh, I want my favorite Lance, uh, sorry, Jim Cornette stories when he yeah. talks about them trying to be the new rockers, but then they yeah. didn't get over as much because Lance was uh, Lance was married and Chris wouldn't uh, <laughs> would not fuck yeah. the rats. Yeah, That's he it. wouldn't. He's like, he's like Lance won't talk to the girls. Chris won't fuck the rats. Like, and Lance is still married to that woman to this day. Lance is very so good, loyal. Thank God. Yeah. yeah, thank God. Right. Lance I do want to bring man this. Morals. Yes, he is. Yeah, you're very rare to find in pro wrestling. Uh, another match I thought was a lot of fun, and I just want to give shout to on Dynamite. Lance Archer versus Hikaleo for the IWGP United States title. I want to say this. Hikaleo is going to be good. He's that, a little green, but he, yeah, he's like, a little he green, can, but hmm? ooh, he's that boy's going to be something. He is going to be good. I mean, so long, you know, barring injury, he keeps his health right. He's green, but ooh, he, his footwork is excellent. 
He can move. He delivers a tremendous, tremendous, uh, you know, snap power slam. He's very solid, technically very sound. And uh, he's around the right cats, though. All, in all likelihood, he'll come along nicely. He's definitely a name to look out for. Then, of course, we had Thunder Rosa being Thunder Rosa, being uh, against Julia Hart. Julia Hart's very green. Thunder Rosa's one of the best in the world. Um, so that was cool. A match that we actually probably should talk about, Santana and Ortiz versus FTR. And they were we having – I, th- I think it went sideways, and that's not why. No, no. They were, they, they, were, they were having was, a bar. I mean, it was still good. They were – They were – they were, especially, they were, It was especially re- refreshing to watch after the five-on-five because it was like, all right, well, this was fun, but let's now kind of get down to, like, technical wrestling that we can all believe is a brutal sport. They, uh, they were – They were very soft on the mentals. Yeah, they were having a barn burner of a match until it appeared – Cash Wheeler got hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. Initially, like, you know, it was kind of – hopefully there's no heat. That comes about, but he was on the top rope, you know, and and uh, and Santana, uh, you know, pushed him off and he, he landed really awkwardly. And uh, I was I was worried about a compound fracture. Actually, like that's what had me scared. I saw the blood was everywhere and it looked so it, it was so much blood. I'm like, oh, my God, is his bone sticking out? So that was a, a really scary thing. Uh, so I had to switch the whole match around. So it was uh, Dax Hardwood getting the pin on Ortiz, I believe it was, with the Brain Buster. Uh, Brain Buster is a finish, so I was happy to, to see that. Um, but they were just having such an excellent match up to this point, so that's really a bummer. I hope uh, Cash is fine. I hope he's com- – we haven't heard anything going forward, uh, but we certainly in the tag team division in AEW or in tag team wrestling in general really can't lose FTR for any long stretch of time. We need them. If I'm going to have to watch a Young Bucks match, I'm really going to need a, 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 a FTR into a lesser degree of Santana and Ortiz match. Also, shout out to Ortiz. He's really leaned up. He's got himself in tremendous shape. So it's like not just Santana, like looking like the jacked one now. Ortiz looks physically excellent. So he's really minding his nutrition. As a result, he's moving a lot better, uh, which is stuff that you always like to see. Hope Cash Wheeler is okay and there's no real heat. And then, you know, they can just go on and continue to have great matches. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that, the thing about the FTR matches, especially, is they build to a nice crescendo of a match. It always kind of goes slow, goes slow, goes slow. And yeah, and this one, it just kind of, the match had to be called before it kind of built up the, um, you know, the, the exciting part that, you know, you kind of, you remember. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember, course, I remember that brain buster. I remember that brain buster. The brain buster was great. No, listen, yeah. the, the man had to do, you know, and again, very solid. He's like, hey, look, if I'm going to, Go for finish. I have to eliminate his partner first. Yep. So, so he's the partner of the rope. He's the finisher. What? The, the very solid. Both. I mean, was, excellent. The, the excellent. Best, the, the best. Yeah. The best tag team in the world yep. right now. Yep. Um, excellent instincts. No, Agreed. Let me say this. We give a quick shout out. Go and plug my favorite show, NXT. Uh, my second favorite tag team right now, Grizzly Young Veterans, will be in action uh, next week on NXT. Um, they're taking on, I believe, Cameron Grimes and Ellie Knight because they did um, they shared a vignette uh, on last show. Um, any thoughts on uh, on uh, Rich Holland coming back in uh, NXT? That he's a uh, you know obviously was kind of a big prospect that they had. Uh, a big British guy can cut a hell of a promo. Very stylish, um, as you would expect from a from a British I'm, man. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm broke excited. His I'm leg ex- last year, yeah. and now you know he's finally returned after his injury. Excited to see. I love. I love his promo. I like the way he talks. I haven't, you know, I haven't, I haven't smashed a man in a while. You know, is is gonna has, has more to come. Yeah, I mean, let's let's see. I think I think NXT is uh, they have they have really good people that stand out in terms of overall in ring work and characters, and then everyone else is sort of trying to. They're wide open. It's 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 good pro wrestling. 
It's just about whether or not it gets to whether or not they, you know, he's going to be showcased appropriately. I have faith. Am I over the moon about it? No, but that's just sort of my general feeling about NXT. Like I'm happy it's there, but it doesn't wow me. I'm like, that, even if I'm like, that's excellent. It doesn't really wow me. I understand. Uh, ending the week with uh, SmackDown. We, again, I thought it was another very good show. I, uh, I did enjoy it. Sasha Banks is back and they turn her heel the day off, which is what you should do. I think, um, yeah, you turn her heel the day off. Everybody knows that's who she is. Everybody knows that's who she's coming back as. No need to drag out something we can see a mile away. Um, I thought uh, um, John Cena. John Cena caught an excellent promo against Roman Reigns. The- Killed this <laughs> man off of one bar. He destroyed your God. He destroyed him. If you can, yeah, if you, yeah, listen, if you can do missionary 20 years and make it fire, you stick with that person. Huh? 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 A lot of you grown, you want to be having your leg up in the shower doing all this type of stuff like you ain't got torn groins over here sometimes you just want to have some consensual sex where everyone comes and you have a nice time talk about some is missionary every night a lot of people not getting missionary every night arrogant roman reigns john cena came out there killed that man with one bar and then proceeded to cut an excellent promo further killing him uh which was excellent interrupted by baron corbin who in baron corbin fashion I am losing sympathy for him every moment. <laughs> I had it. It's going away quick, uh, but we'll see what they do. I, uh, I think Baron Corbin is, is incredible. And I think the fact, if you, if you have to you know, look at how good of a job he's doing, look at the pop that he got when he was about to sign the contract. People, he got booze when he first came out because mm-hmm. people know, and it's a boo of respect. It's a boo. Hey, you're doing an amazing job. Well, I appreciate you right now. And then when he's like, oh, my God, he's going to sign the contract and take advantage of this opportunity, everybody just, you know, went nuts. I, I, there's nothing more I personally like than uh, uh, legal logic in wrestling. And with that, so that's why I love the contract signing. Again, it was very quick. It, was, it didn't give you time to kind of sit back and think about what was going on. You just had one guy run in, beat up the other guy, but he's about to sign pause for the reaction. John Cena runs in, you know, stands Baron Corbin. He signs it. You're like, wow, I can't believe it just happened. And you're like, well, is this? And then, you know, I've got to do the address to the Paul Heyman afterwards. Like, well, look, it's wrestling logic. You know, but, but that's what they essentially said. No, it's not supposed to be legally binding. We know. But also, we know. It's just, you know, let it happen. Um, I enjoy it. I think uh, Finn Balor versus Baron Corbin can be a lot of fun. Um, and I think now it gives a Finn Balor now to stick around in that, uh, you know, uh, championship uh, division for a while, which is a great thing. Yeah, they're, I mean, well, one, you have to find a way to kill time between August and probably, you know, January. So, I mean, again, I do say it like that. It's killing time. So it's like, I don't care how great the match is going to be. Finn is going to be fed to Roman. That is that is where we're going. But you don't want to do it right away because the guy just got back. Cena's back for a one pop. One shot is back. He's going to go away. So then you give Finn something to do. I guess maybe add in Corbin at some, I, guess, I mean, you know. Uh, they they need to keep Roman beating people, so he'll continue to beat people. Finn is a person that he needs to beat down the line, so that'll that'll be done. Well, we also know Kenny Omega is not losing until he faces Hangman. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's like, yeah. So so, so you know, I, I just think there's nothing wrong with that either. You know what I mean? You no, 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 no. There's nothing. No, there's there's nothing wrong so, with it. It's it's it's, it's the way in which they tell the story. I just right? I just I disagree with the way you refer to this. Where I was just like, oh, this is just killing time because it's been entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. You but, understand but, that you, you know who's going to win, but so far, 
I'm up in every feud that has been yeah. happening. From and no, and 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 and, and and here and here's why I, I stand by what I say. It's just going in a straight line. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the line, but they're trying to retroactively retcon the character of Roman Reigns. So they need you to forget about the last five or six years. This is the manner in which they do it. So they're just retconning everything. So they're saying, forget all of this. Forget this thing that wasn't working. Here we have this now, but we have to hammer it home in much the same way we were hammering at home when it wasn't working, truth be told. But we have to hammer it home in this way. And what I'm saying is I'm not a person that forgets. OK, I'm West African. The West remembers. OK, so I remember those past five or six years. So I, I know oh, I've seen this. He's just going to run through these guys. So to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying it's not going to be entertaining. I'm not saying I'm not saying there's not going to be great promos out of it. I'm saying I've seen this for six years. That's what I'm saying. So I'm saying, no, we know he has to get fed to this guy. And that'll be what that is. So to say, OK, well, Kenny, Kenny's going to it's like it's not even the same thing. Kenny hasn't been shoved down the American people's throats for five or six years. He's not the same character. It's not he's not the best bout machine. It's a thing that he says, but he's literally like rock star champion douchebag. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, he's going to run through guys. He's probably going to beat Christian Cage at some point. He's got, but the presentation is totally different. And AEW's not trying to retcon anything with, with Kenny Omega. WWE is. I see. I think, yeah, I get what you're saying. So it's not no, so much the characters, more so what they're doing now, but it's more so everything they've done in the past. Everything, yeah. Escape yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it affects the way you, you look at things now because you've seen it before, even if it was a completely different iteration. Yes. You still know. We still know what's going on. That's right. You still know what's going on. And the attention was very much the same. So I'm just like, okay. <laughs> like, it's just that now they're booking him in the appropriate way. You know what I'm saying? Now it's like, you don't like him. He doesn't like you either now, finally. It only took us half a decade. It's like, okay. It's fine. And that's switching topics we didn't get a chance to talk about last week i think uh we have to talk about it now uh new japan grand slam was a fantastic show mm-hmm. and um if the you know we're not a hot takey show that's not what we do if we were to have a hot take mine would be that shingo tatagi is 101 as far as best in-ring wrestlers right now at the moment i would say it's him and the only real discussions for who is the number two right now as mm-hmm. far as in-ring specialists because shingo tatagi is having himself quite a year yeah. Um, just pretty much everything he has done, you know, he he's given us the best Will Ospreay matches of the year, regardless of how you feel about Will. Those matches were great, and this were his best. Um, both of his matches with Tanahashi, including the one that we just had this past weekend, were incredible. I pr- enjoyed their first one a little bit more, but their first one would would have been a match of the year in most years. Um, I think his match against Jeff Cobb, you know, showed that hey, you, I don't need half an hour, give me 18 minutes, and we'll put on the classic as well. Um, just, you know, just being incredible. Oh, uh, and his, um, yeah, his last defense was awesome as well. So, um, yeah, I just think he's, he's by far the best in the ring. And, uh, and I mean, Tanahashi is the fucking man. I, I'm very excited. Speaking of Tanahashi and another thing that was exciting on AEW, if, 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 um, if they somehow can figure out how to get, uh, Mox and versus Tanahashi on their television, uh, bro. or a pay-per-view, bro, that's, bro. it's, it's over. I am so excited for that match. Yeah, that would be, oof, I can't say enough about, you know, the landscape of pro wrestling on a a national, international level outside of WWE. That is not a shot at WWE. Just other major promotions are working together, and it's insane. Um, Yeah, that would be huge. Uh, I would love that so much. Uh, Tana is just, goodness gracious. I mean, he's, yeah, like you said, he's the man. He's he's the he is the man. I mean, 
without Tanahashi, it's it, it can be argued whether or not New Japan was going to keep their TV deal. And I mean, it was that bad. You know, this guy, you know, there is no Okada without there's no Okada. There's no Shingo. There's no Ibushi. There is no uh, I mean, Nakamura, even I would say there's no Nakamura. I think they, um, they, they, they helped each other. Though. They, no, they did. They, 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 they did. Yeah. They did, but but not but Nakamura was kind of he was like the super rookie. He was nothing for a long time. He wasn't working. Then he had to become king. Of well, Spotify. I would argue but, Nakamura. They got the first push. He won the championship and the the G one climax before uh, before Tanahashi. He just wasn't ready for that pressure. That's one. But that's one. Tanahashi. Well, but so, that's okay, what I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So you see what I'm saying. So without that, you you know you wouldn't have had Naito. You know, like this guy. You wouldn't have Jay White. You would not have Osprey. You wouldn't have these guys with these crazy aspirations because I don't think they could have kept their TV deal, especially in Japan, much like in the States. Japan and the States are very similar in this way. that TV is everything. The difference with the, uh, the States and Japan is that in Japan, professional wrestling companies have lost their TV deals, you know, and it's gone and you've seen them just die within the last 20 years. WCW obviously lost their TV deal. ECW lost their TV deal. So they were in effect done, but like to see it happen there to major promotions was kind of devastating. And uh, new Japan was not doing good for a time. Uh, so it was very much in question, but yeah, Shingo, I mean, he's gotta be the, he's gotta be the best bout machine currently. Because look at what he's doing in Japan with what we're dealing with. I mean, during a pandemic and doing all of this stuff and, and everything, and just consistently putting out these banger of a matches, totally justifying the position that he's in. I mean, uh, the Dragon, you know, couldn't think of a more aptly uh, put name for a guy like him who has just been on fire and really has been carrying the title through a very, very difficult time in New Japan's history on top through a very, very difficult time in the world's history globally with this pandemic. Uh, so, yeah, I won't say a bad thing. I won't say a bad thing about that, man. He's the man. He's, he's, the he's, man that, right he's that. He's Ooh. that. Yeah, he is that dude. He's the like the the AJ Styles, I would say, of New Japan in the sense that yeah. he he worked for a small competitor for years, became yep. the man there, kind of yep. like the Patrick Bearer for DDD. Um, and then when he came over to New yeah, they had big plans for him, obviously, for New Japan, but he was supposed to be number three, number four in, yeah. uh, in his faction, in Naito's faction. Uh, he was supposed to be kind of the, um, their representatives in the, the light, in the junior heavyweight division. Well, yeah, uh, which, he came, which, he came, through, which he was. He ran through he ran everyone. Through, he was undefeated. undefeated. So he met Osprey in the final, yep. given the first um, Shingo Osprey classic. I, and I, I, I would actually say that I think their first match was it's still their best match. It's really incredible, uh, fine junior heavyweight bout. Um, and then, you know, but he, again, he was never kind of positioned, and especially at the time we had the evil Sanada few that, you know, Sanada has been the number two for a while, then evil kind of surpassed him. And of course, Knight has been the man and was the most popular guy. And as we mentioned a few weeks back to win a title in New Japan, three years after debuting, that's really quick. That's like, really I know it doesn't quick. seem like it, in, but New Japan, it does not happen quickly at it's, all. Bro, it's tough. It's tough to win. It's a, I was Mana, Manabu Nakaashi won the G1 Climax, and I believe 99, he defeated uh, Keiji Muto. I was very upset about this. And then he eventually became IWGP champion, like, almost a decade after that. Held it for a month, lost it. Like, it's like, it's so hard to win <laughs> that title. It is, because when they got their guy, they got, and, and having the faith and the trust of the Japanese audience is such a, man, you can't even, and because in New Japan, much like in Ring of Honor, um, 
you know, they have to make really quick decisions. So if it ain't working, we got to be done with it. You know what I'm saying? So, boom, oh, the numbers are okay. Take it off them. Take it off them. Don't, okay, it's not working. Get rid of that. Get rid of that thing. Like when they had, um, when Kenji Muto lost the title to no, Nobukito Takata, when it was uh, UWFI versus uh, New Japan in like 95, 96, they put the belt on Takata. No one liked it. Numbers wasn't good. Then they were like, okay, Shinya gets it immediately. Shinya, Shinya Hashimoto has to. Now, that may have always been the plan, but it wasn't the plan to get him that thing that quick. <laughs> but it was the next tile defense. Oh, make the change. Matt Taven was ROH world champion. Wasn't working. <laughs> wasn't working. And I like, got, oh, well, we got to, well, let's have Roosh kill him. And then let's go from there. You know, so, uh, but yeah, to go along with Mike's point, yeah, very Shingo. I never saw Shingo ever winning the title. Just did. I think he would always be that guy that got oh so close and never got to grab it. And he'd be one of those guys in his later years talking about the prestige, the honor, the fire that burns within and the history and the lineage of the IWGP He title. seemed like it, right? He seemed he like seemed in like the lineage it. of Ishii, of, yeah. Goto, of the yeah. guys who were just like these tough guys keep on good matches, but you just never give the, the, the rock to for some reason. Well, because you have somebody in place like Tanahashi mm -hmm. Okada who were just, mm -hmm. you know, having these like 900-day title reigns. Right. Um, but yeah, very happy again. Very happy for for Shingo and what he has accomplished. And again, uh, uh, just a quick rundown of the event. I don't want to. Um, I'll be honest. I have yet to see all of it, but I have seen Okada versus Jeff Cobb. I think Jeff Cobb is another guy. I think in that lineage of you know people who just have great wrestling matches and are very tough guys, but maybe you know never win the title. But um, I think him and Okada was excellent. Uh, yep. Robbie Eagles is a, an, another New Zealander who, uh, you know, kind of climbing up, has come up through the ranks um, in New Japan. He beat El Desperado in an excellent match yeah. for the I, IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. Um, and uh, again, I know I haven't seen the match, to be honest with you, but I have heard a lot of good things about Daichi and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, winning the titles from Sonata and Naito. Have you seen that match by any chance? I have. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good match. Yeah. Yeah, as well as El Fantasmo and uh, Taji Shimori being Rocky Romero and Rusuke Taguchi. Mm -hmm. Good card, uh, up and down. Uh, infinite props to New Japan. I mean, we're all dealing with this pandemic, but especially right now in Japan, it's really tough. Um, it is, uh, it's really, it has, really tough. Yes, only some good mainstream press, by the way. I don't know if yeah. you saw it. They, they, they got an article written about about how that's the high ticket in, uh, in Japan right now. I mean, yes. it's not the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Olympics. It's New Japan. It's pretty unpopular with the local crowd for those people. Yes. Don't, don't know. So, yeah, so it is good. Again, New Japan gained some uh, mainstream coverage, and I'm happy to hear about that. We have to get up out of here. We gave them a, gave them a solid 60, uh, you know, solid Broadway, if you will. Yeah, uh, so yep. let's give you a classic. Yeah, let's uh, get up out of here with our match of the week. Satoya, what is your match of the week that you teased earlier? My match of the week. I'm so happy that I get to bring this one up. I want you guys to go on to YouTube. Type in Mickey James versus Beth Phoenix from April 14th of 2008 for the women's title. I believe that was overseas. It was in England. Uh, Beth Phoenix was the reigning dominant champion. Um, and I bring this match up because Mickey is excellent. Uh, she's been so criminally underrated in terms of her impact and lineage within wwe uh disrespected gaslit bullied body shamed everything still gave classics and this match is a prime example of that i think a lot of times when people talk about the women's revolution they're forgetting that there was a crop of women who were really working their behinds and they were excellent wrestlers and they still are beth phoenix can still go mickey james can still go because they're both in their early 40s and they're just amazing talents this match 
is excellent. Uh, it's pro wrestling. It's really, really good. It does not even go over 10 minutes. It is an amazing, amazing display of pro wrestling, regardless of gender. Uh, it's just a good it's just a good piece of business. And it's fun. It's right there on YouTube. So just have fun with it. I do think it's a good, uh, yeah, the good recommendation. It's a very good match again. Um, and uh, I do think with, I do think you make a good point that that generation of uh, True Stratus, Victoria, Beth Phoenix, uh, Nikki James is getting forgotten. I think partially it is because of the deeper search and kind of, you know, that dominating division for the the, the next five years before um, before Horsewoman came over. So I think that kind of erased, I would say, the first women's revolution, if you will, kind of, yep. you know, bringing that. And then, of course, which is not, that wasn't even the first, I do apologize. Right. Even right. before that in the 90s, you had the Lundra Blaze, Lundra Blaze yeah, Lundra Blaze, like, right. Bull Nakano, uh, goodness, you had so many, you had Akira Hokuto, like, there was just, like, killers everywhere, bro. Yeah, so, uh, my, I think my recommendation speaks for itself, given, you know, how we started off the show. Uh, the Wyatt Family versus The Shield from Elimination yeah. 2014. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, you guys probably have seen this match rewatched again. I think it's, uh, it's one of the most kind of instant classic matches. One of the matches where you bring up in the, in the, in the wrestling circle today. Yeah, pretty much everybody has seen it. Everybody knows what we talked about. Everybody knows the spots in the match. It's one of the most beloved matches, I would say, in the last decade. And it's, it has earned that, that, uh, that title being one of the best WWE matches of the decade as well. So yeah. go ahead, are you way and check it out? The, definitely the best trios match. Um, probably the best shield match as well. So just excellent, excellent match. Yes, agreed. All right, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, have a great week. We'll be right back. Peace. <laughs>